Welcome to the Wainish Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. We're back for a third episode with all the finesse of Ian Vigers remonstrating with a pub bouncer. In this episode, we take a look back at the month of August and the last three league games are both smoked, Dundee deadlock and Morton massacred. We question if Sean Rooney should be renamed Juggernaut, ask when Jamie McCart turned into Franco Baresi and if anyone's seen Machado Matias. And we're still going to pack 25 years worth of ICT references into an hour of wild conjecture and mild distraction. So without further ado, let's shuffle on. This is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? There's it! Welcome one and all, I'm Andrew Moffat and in the studio for this third podcast we have a man who possesses all the attributes of a real football man but lets himself down as he drinks dark fruits. Andrew Sutherland, hello. <laughs> uh, a man who's been called the John Paul Satry of the Cali support, Andrew Young, hello. Hello. A man who had a lovely holiday in Greece, Yasu, Ross McKenzie. Yasu. And a man who used to get grass of Ben at sign all his programmes. That's myself, that's my sad <laughs> self. So in the last few weeks, we've experienced Miles Story, Arbroath Glory, a visit from the heroes of yesteryear and the 25th anniversary celebrations. We've had the Dreek Dundee deadlock at Dens and we've had the Friday Friday night five-star mauling of Morton. So we kick off, uh, as per usual, in an upbeat tone. Ask what's uh, been everyone's Highland highlight, as it were, of the last month. Uh, I think the highlight for me has definitely been McCart and Donaldson looking more like the partnership of last season. Obviously, they had a bit of a shaky start uh, earlier in the League Cup game, especially at Peterhead. They kind of look like they never played together before, but uh, certainly the last few games now they looked a lot more, a lot more stronger together. And uh, McCart especially winning a lot of uh, plaudits amongst the ICC support, and uh, rightly so. Ross revitalised and browner than a rusty button. What 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 uh, <laughs> what pearls of Greek philosophy do you have to share with us? Um, my highlight was the nine pass move leading to our third goal in the Morton game. Um, I'd been moaning early in the season about the centre of midfield not giving a platform to our kind of flair players up top to play. But for that goal, you know, once we were 2-0 up, we really settled. And Vincent came up, was pinging it back and forth with Doran and before getting the through ball through for White. And it was just football, real pleasant football. Pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, the 5-0 uh, ruination of Martin is the obvious highlight, but actually for me it was uh, seeing the sort of awe-inspiring policeman gubbing bouncer spitting rage of Paul McGowan at close quarters for the first time. Um, this is him going up the tunnel at the end of the Dundee game, shouting, um, by the way, in case my mum's listening um, or anyone from my work, I'm quoting here, Come on then, you fat fuck! Uh, uh, <laughs> at one of our supporters. I mean, what a state to get into. Um, and there's also something really hypocritical about him attacking anyone based on appearance when he's kind of rocking that hairstyle that he's still got. This is a guy who used to wear a, a tag on his ankle, I think, when he played, yeah. did he not? He did die. Yeah. He did die. And now he kind of wears, you know, something almost indescribable on his head. I mean, it's <laughs> like, you know, see, at the sides, it's kind of no country for all men density, right? And then if you see it from above, as I was doing from above the tunnel, it's like someone's trying to crop a, cut a crop circle in the back of a badger. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a personal highlight, just seeing this, this spectacle at close quarters. Uh, mine's probably just that the fact that the 5 non game was on the telly, and I would like to see a wider audience could see us hit the height so far, but given that there was two games on at the same time yeah. and the other game was the Dundee Derby, what was it? A hell of a lot of goals so yeah but I, th- I did speak to a few fans of uh, of other teams that did actually did actually see some of our match and 
um, saw the goal. So I think it's quite easy for fans of our teams, especially Premier teams, to just say the Championship and, and Cali is just shit. Uh, but you can't argue with the quality of goals. I think we scored the other night and the way we opened up the way we opened up uh, an average uh, Championship backline, the uh, number of times and just the tempo. Uh, so Yeah, no, I was going to say just very quickly, you mentioned the first pod that last season there was a number of games that we... You know, there was only maybe a goal in it. We maybe lost a, a late equaliser, and uh, I was worried for a while in that game against Morton that we might do the same thing. But thankfully, you know, our four goals really killed them off. So yeah, yeah it was good to see us a lot more clinical. So yeah, five 0 Friday night. That was that was a highlight. Other than that, um, getting tenants in the Cali Club, um, tenants in the Cali Club. Finally, like Yorkshire discovering puddings, or the Cookie Monster discovering cookies. Before he, had, he was he was just a monster. <laughs> Uh, so summation of August, the first four league games. So defeated United, uh, a win, slightly improved performance against our rope with a few few flashes of promise in there. Then already our second visit to Dens this season, positive chances in the first half, a few towards the end. But what was a very very good point um, before we then tear Morton apart with an electrifying second half display. Three good three games, three good game, three good performances. But more importantly, three incrementally better performances. Would that be correct? Uh, I think so. I mean, when you see the fixture list at the start of the season, you've got um, Arbroath, Dundee United away and uh, Dundee away. I think automatically you're thinking four points from that would be quite good. Um, yeah. Morton could have gone either way. Um, obviously, delighted to get that 5-0 win. Whilst the performance against United at Tannadice was really disappointing, getting early spanked, the performance against Dundee was obviously a lot better than the League Cup. And I think also we could have won it. You know, um, if that game had been going on for our five minutes or so and there was only one team going to win that maybe Rob could have shuffled the pack earlier on but I think you know being honest I think four points after the first three games uh, pretty good going really as far as we're concerned Okay so defeat at Tannadice Street as Shanklin grabs the money and glory things looking grim due to Bobby Lynn but Miles rides his own story a point pretty great in the stalemate of a Den's deadlock then Morton massacred and sent back to Greenock You got no soul you rubber bumpers So let's delve into the past three games, what went wrong, what went right, and kick off with a 2-1 win VR Broth at home. I was expecting Mad Dick Campbell stalking the touchline like the geriatric Peaky Binder that he is, uh, but what we've got is a 65-year-old man in a flat cap wistfully looking up at the stand and enjoying his day out at the Murray Firth. <laughs> uh, it, it was quite disappointing, actually. I was quite close to the quite close to the dugouts, and he, and he, didn't, he didn't, didn't get annoyed at all, really. He just sort of... Just really did enjoy his day. Yeah. Um, as much, I enjoyed the second half, but uh, well, I think the, the only thing that was going to be a given that day was Bobby Lynn was going to score, given we couldn't remember his name. This in the, was in it. The first this pod. was it. We'll talk um, about our prophetic uh, predictions later on, but um, it wasn't a convincing performance overall. Uh, playing in sto- stodgy opposition, but were there enough flashes in that game to suggest that we were going to improve in the coming weeks? Um, I think. Keating's looked to be a bit of a creative force for us, just kind of playing behind the striker. He had a couple of nice through balls, uh, one for Dorn especially, which um, you know he wasn't able to to take um, first time round. Um, but I think I think what we saw from Keating's that day was a bit more of the um, creativity that you can bring to this team by playing in that position. I wasn't. I, I thought I assumed that he would be playing as a kind of a, a second striker further forward. But from speaking to Hibs and Hamilton fans, it turns out he's actually got a bit more history playing as a number ten um, yeah. than I thought. So it's not like Robbo's just thought, you know, sign this guy. Where do we put him? You know, he, he has got a plan for him, and it was good to see it slowly start to come together. I think we started to see that in the Arbroath game, and obviously, you know, we really saw that against Morton a few weeks later. Um, 
as you say, it wasn't the most impressive uh, performance. You know, we we could well have ended up drawing that game. I think last season yeah. we definitely would have drawn that game. Um, the midfield at the time, Vincent and um, Carson, still didn't look that great. Um, and um, perhaps, I mean, what I thought was quite interesting after the game was um, Robertson's uh, comment about uh, a player who was complaining about being left out of the uh, starting lineup. Now, I don't, we don't know exactly who that is, but Trafford. Well, I was going to move on to yeah. that next about selection. I yeah. mean, he was, I think he was the only player that was dropped from the starting eleven of that game. Mm. Um, but the midfield worked better with the combination that was selected for that match than in the previous game, albeit it was against tougher opposition. So it's quite tough to, yeah. I, to I judge him so. on I mean, that. Trafford, you can't say he doesn't work hard. Unfortunately, the problem is that. Last season, he seemed to be a lot more positionally aware about where he had to be. This year, however, he has started not so well. He seems to run about a lot and he tends to be everywhere but nowhere where you actually need him, unfortunately. Um, Carson and Vincent look a lot stronger and obviously with Welsh coming back, you'd think that Trafford's going to potentially find it quite hard to get back into this team. Mm. Well... Another player that came back into that team uh, and straight into the SPFL Team of the Week that week, albeit at centre-back, I noted. Um, he had a fantastic game. Sean Rooney, how much is it... You know, we'll talk about the Arbroath game here specifically, but we're not talking about the last game. How much of it is it a boost that he is back and potentially playing better than he ever has for us? You've come to me, and I wasn't at the Arbroath game, but I'm just going to use this opportunity to talk about my love for Sean Rooney, who is <laughs> the greatest cult hero that we have had since... I'm going to say Ross Tokley, you know, right backs somehow are just um, overlooked characters and I think they have to assert themselves a little bit more than um, other sorts of players. And when you get one that kind of sweeps majestically down the wing, beating several players who are looking like they're going to fall over at any moment and still creating real chances, then that is, you know, the mark of someone that we can look up to and adore. And I think that Rooney being back is good, not just for us as a footballing side but also as I don't know some sort of fear I think emotionally the entire support is lifted by his presence so he, he turned up apparently uh, having been you know away he had a, a personal bereavement and he returned from injury ahead of schedule turned up and apparently just looked wildly up for it um, he was punted into the team uh, everybody was surprised to see him on the team sheet for that Arbroath game um, turned up and he's never looked back do you really think the players the were surprised games. to see him in the team sheet as well or do, you, do you think they just see that in training and they knew he was ready well you've got to remember the context I suppose of Carson having had such a mare at yeah. Tannadice and so everybody I suppose was relieved to see him in the lineup. but the, you know the assumption was he wouldn't be fit but he's played has he played every minute since Tearing up and down that flank. I, yeah, um, I mean, I would, I would temper some of Andrew's enthusiasm, you know, by we'll saying that. It, we'll temper it just now, yeah. and then we'll talk about the morning. I'm, I'm just going to keep talking about him, basically. Throughout, yeah, throughout the pod. Well, he can't defend. Now, you know, there's there's space he, in behind him he, he can't, all the time. Absolutely he, he, he can't defend. I mean, absolutely he can't defend. So well, I mean, he, he did really struggle against Lynn in the first kind of 15 or 20 minutes against our broth. In his he, first game of yeah, the season. Yeah, I mean, he, he, re he really was struggling. But, I mean, in an attacking sense, he's great. He offers real support down the right flank. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, most recent game against Morton, he was superb. Um, but, yeah, against our broth, yeah, he obviously had a, a few off-the-field issues yeah. and stuff. So, But I think, you know, as Ross says, 
no, no disrespect meant to Carson, but we obviously wanted to have a proper right back there, so it was great to have Rooney available. OK, well, going forward, we didn't just have so- Sean Rooney. Um, Keatings, he did dazzle, I would say, in a few of the few of his forays upfield. Um, we, had Dor- we had Doran getting in behind as well. Um, obviously, Story scored. Uh, who else impressed going forward? Well, you mentioned Story there. I think what I liked about Story was he was a, he was a lot more mobile, um, quite... He, he does have his detractors um, for, I guess, his alleged um, lack of effort. Um, I mean, he's, he's there to play a role. He, he's there to try and win the high balls that Robertson, you know, at times does like to play. He's there to try and get them, you know, down on the ground, feed off, uh, feed the ball off the teammates. With Story, however, when he came on, you know, he was much more inclined to get the ball down and just go running at their both defence. And you could see straight away that they were, they were starting to struggle um, with, with his presence. OK, he got a bit lucky with the goal. But, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. He had a chance and he took it. And everybody's slagging the goalkeeper for the winner, but Story absolutely hammers it. Yeah. He gets he gets his full weight behind the ball. It does he move at the it. end. does yeah. move at the end. Is that also the game of Keating's overhead kick? So also worse. Yeah, it, is. it was a really impressive technique. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Just look at my notes. <laughs> Good radio there. Yeah. No, it was it, that was Keaton's over here kicking that game. Yeah. Impressive takers. No. Okay, so uh on from the Arbroath game, we then moved to Dundee, an improvement in the performance in our last visit at Dens. Uh defence looked tighter. Midfield combo of Carson and Vincent was better. Room for improvement in the final third probably, but out wide, you know, Walsh and Doran probably posted missing for for large chunks of that game, notably we haven't talked about Walsh much yet. Um, well, we did have a lot of chances towards the end of that match. Is that a fair assessment? So um, the striking thing was getting the team lines out and stories replaced White up front, as I think you guys had suggested. Yeah, uh, he good, should do on the last. Good, good pod. to know that Robertson listens to the podcast. <laughs> I certainly said before the game to a number of people, "There's no way he'll replace White with Story because he'll always play the big man up front." Um, but he went for it. Story didn't have a fantastic game, but he did a lot of running. But what he did do was completely change the way we play. And so 10 minutes in, and Ridgers is rolling the ball out, you know, to uh, to call and Jamie uh, to play. And Sean. Uh, and Sean, yes. <laughs> Sean. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we're playing it out from the back. And that, that I have to say, initially, that alarmed me. I was kind of like, well, we've been playing the long ball. You know, it's not been going well. I'm no, I'm no purist. I mean, I'm happy if we're going to play long ball and win. I'm happy, but I'm not calling for us to play football for its own sake. You know, I'm not Yogi Hughes. I don't have a philosophy. Um, but, it, you know, so it, that, it just alarmed me that we would suddenly change our style so completely. Um, and we were kind of sterile for the majority of the game. But as it progressed, we became more and more dangerous. Robbo made excellent substitutions in response to McPake's substitutions. And if the game had gone any longer, we were going to nick it. Yeah, I think that's a good point by Ross and you know, mentioned it at the start as well. If that game had gone on maybe in our five minutes or so, there was only one team going to win that. Uh, we had some great chances towards the end. Uh, Todd Roth, who's really impressed as a substitute. I mean, he's he could probably feel quite hard done by not getting to start a few more yeah. games. He has looked really impressive and making me eat my words about um, what I thought about his sign at the start of the season, um, which I'm more than happy to be wrong about, stuff like that. But yeah, um, I think what was different when when White came on, when White and Todd Roth came on, normally... White plays a lot of his time with his back to goal and he tries to win those long balls as I said and tries to like link up with teammates whereas when he came on towards the end of the Dundee game we seemed to change a little bit and get the ball wider to the likes of Walsh and Doran to try and get crosses in and get White and Todorov actually attacking them rather than playing with his back to goal White was now trying to attack the goal 
um, rather than try and hold things up. And uh, he came close as well to maybe getting one. But I'd argue there's no point in playing White like that because he's shite at it. I mean, White, White in the air attacking a ball from across, it doesn't tend to go very well. Um, I know it did against Clach last night, but generally, you know, he doesn't he doesn't manage at this level to score goals from crosses. Um, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't play on the on the, on the shoulder of the last defender. Given, given that he scored what <clears throat> six seven league goals last season, though, I mean, while, we're, while we're talking about him, you know, given that he scored that and we made the playoffs anyway. Is his it seems ridiculous to say is his job as a big man striker to score goals from crosses? Well, no, he has a complete his role in the team is to get the team up the park to is hassle it, yeah, defenders exactly. for yeah. players to play off game, yeah. Yeah. to hassle yeah. defenders, hold up where he can. He's not necessarily good at that either. Although he but got better last season. Yeah, than it, I mean, he was great. Yeah. He was great in the second half of the season. Yeah. He was great in the second yeah. half of last season. Don't forget that. Also, thought, okay. I mean, Self mentioned something about um, you know criticism for not working hard, but I, actually, I think he's a hard worker. Yes, he is, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you can criticise his work. I think he was. He's been. He's been. He's in terms of his work ethic. I don't think you can. When he's come off the pitch recently, he's been disappointed to being subbed because he's not been subbed last mm. season. That's that's it. You know, he's a football player and wants to play football matches. I, but I'm going to move on now. Defence uh, it looked much more co- cohesive uh, in this game. Obviously, getting the clean sheet. Donaldson, McCarp, seldom ruffled. The fullback solid. Uh, rather than rather than note what room for improvement as we have done in previous pods, I would more want to focus on what the defence and the team were doing particularly defensively well in that game so what what could, what could anyone pick up on so we're looking at, we're talking about the Dundee game here yeah. specifically yeah I mean Sean Rooney uh, no I mean to be fair um, I just want to pick up on what Ross was saying earlier about him not being able to defend I'd argue that he <laughs> has already shown that he's improved on last season his focus is better he was playing against Declan McDade who I think looks better than the Air United fans who may be a bit embittered, you know, say, uh, they say that he was rotten and that Dundee have been sold an absolute pup. He's tricky, he's difficult, he's quite pacey. Rooney had his head down, kind of looking at everything he was doing. He stuck with him, he kept him wide, he showed him outside, he didn't allow him to get in. McDay did very little effective, and I think in that respect, Rooney actually showed that he'd grown as a defender. If you allied that, ally that to the fact that he's better going forward than Mackay, I'd have him in there as our first choice right back. Yeah. You know? So that was a positive. What about the centre halves? So I think um I mean Don Donaldson again, as I said at the start, Donaldson and McCart again just continue to improve. Um and you know, rightly I think McCart is getting a lot of plaudits. It's not gonna be long now until other clubs start to take notice of the guy. Um he didn't when he when he initially came in on loan to us uh, under foreign um, he didn't look that great, mind you. I think that's a bit unfair because the whole team was a bit of a shambles. But last season, uh, when he came into the team, I, I would argue he quickly surpassed Donaldson as our best defender. I know Ross does not agree with that and uh, said so in the first pod. But his um, it, it's his positional play is just superb. He just seems to know where he needs to be all the time. Um, he's continuously blocking shots. And some of his balls out of defence to, to launch a quick counter, um, quite reminiscent of um, Josh Meekins in the past, where he would love to kind of send the ball in behind the opposing fullback just to get, you know, like Aaron Dorn scampering away. Jamie McCart's certainly been better than Carl Donaldson this season. I'm not so sure about last season. Um, everybody knows Carl's been unsettled. County have been trying to buy him. We've been trying not to sell him. And he's clearly been distracted. He's got, you know, he's got all the hallmarks of a distracted, want away player. Hopefully, Transfer window's closed, he gets his head down, he gets back to the farm he showed last season. And if he does, our back four is going to be excellent this yep. season. No, I agree with that. Okay, talking about going forward, we talked about the positive, well, we, we thought it was a positive change with Story coming in, but he's ended up spending most of his time chasing chasing balls. Um, 
behind the back line and, and not really got a lot of joy from it. And then conversely, Todorov and, and White come on and we, we fire balls into the box and we actually get some joy from that. So, you know, it's Robo, it's Robo, it's Robo actually thinking there because we know obviously what the selection was for the game after that. Is he thinking I've made a mistake there with Story and then that's why he's put White back in for the last games? What do you think, Andrew? No, not necessarily. I think that what he was doing, well, maybe not what he planned to do, but the impact was that getting Story in there. He gets a team, he forces the team to play the ball in the deck, he forces the team to be a little more patient in the build-up, not go long from the first minute for fuck's sake. I mean, like, that's what you know our team was doing for the first couple of games of the season. And finally, we start to play a bit of football, we start to get a bit of confidence, there's a bit of communication between the players. So finally, when Todorov comes on and White comes on, then at least they're a little more patient in the build-up and they're getting balls into them from better angles than they were earlier. Yeah, so, when Todorov and White came on, it wasn't to hump the ball up to them in desperation. Yeah. There, a lot of space had opened up in midfield. He brought McGregor on at the same time as Todorov, remember, and he exploited that space and the balls that were coming into Todorov and White, as Suv's already said, were crosses. They weren't humps. Yeah. Okay. Um, talking about formations a little bit, because McPake has changed it a little bit. I was talking to a couple of Dundee fans doing a bit of research and... You know, I think when they played us early in the season, it was actually the only game that they actually played. You know, three at the back, five at the back, whatever you want to call it, with wing backs, um, and it worked. And then since then, he's gone back to a flat back four, and it doesn't seem to have worked. So he, we had talked about the ability he's got to change games. We're still, still we're still playing the same formation basically. Um, do we do we foresee Robo changing that at any time? I, th- I think unlikely, especially after last Friday's result. I think we're slowly starting to to click now, and we're and we're um, getting towards what you could argue is probably our strongest eleven. Um, and you know, after Friday's performance, you could probably even argue that well, should we all love and adore? Doesn't actually deserve to just walk straight back into the team. Uh, I think for now, I, I think we can expect a continuation of this kind of four-two-three-one style that Robo's got us playing. One change of formation maybe you could see coming would be the next time we play Dundee United. I think probably for everyone else, I think we found we found a system that we want. Welsh coming back, you've got to imagine that Carson's going to have to drop out. But Car- Carson's done well enough in the last couple of games to suggest you might want to drop one of the front four and play kind of a a four three three with with three play a three man play three central midfielders. Aye, I think yeah. I think he might. Well, right. that's a month away or whenever. Well, it we is can we talk. We can talk. Again. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in our section. We'll go on to the the most the most recent game at time of recording. Um, Friday night last five 0 Inverness hasn't seen such a Friday night pumping since the days of Alex Bone and Mister G's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually the, the first time we scored five goals in a league game since we beat Dumbarton back in uh, April 2018. It's the biggest margin of victory since we humped Air United 7-0 in that uh, fabulous um, post-promotion um, clinching game back in uh, the 2009-10 season when half the fans went on the pitch after um, it was like Gavin Morrison and I think Robert Eagle scored towards the end as well, that, that famous left winger for us. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was an absolute bodying and um, I'm fully deserved as well. The, most of the first half, it was largely you know forgettable, but second half, we, we were just so clinical. It was, it was quite um, 50-50 first half, I yeah. would say. It was, was, pr- it was pretty even. Um, I was quite surprised, obviously we're all surprised that Story was on the bench and then White was starting again and Keatings was in there. So talking to a few people before the game, suggesting that if Morton play a high line, you know, we don't have the pace to be able to get in behind them. But then second half, we've come out and just played great football, great tempo, great passing football, mm-hmm. Andrew. Thing is, so um, Kenny Miller kind of said on Wednesday in Sportsound that Morton were more aggressive and physically stronger against Park Thistle, and that's why they managed to overturn a kind of two-goal deficit and win 3-2. And yet I've not seen a team kind of curl up and die 
against us so quickly, you know, in ages. So I don't know what that says about Morton, you know, whether they, you know, there was a slight change or whether Party Thistle are absolutely lamentably bad at the moment. It'll be interesting to see because, you know, I think we were great, but I also think Morton in the second half made it very, very easy for us. Once the space warped up, um, as, I, as I alluded to earlier, we really did start to play. I thought Vincent had an excellent game. I thought Tom Walsh played well in spells. Doran played well in spells, although he came off early. Um, Keating's t- second goal in particular was he took it fantastically yeah. well. I've it's not great, seen it's on his right foot. You'd, it's on his weaker foot, Superb. and you don't, you know, I can't remember seeing such a clinical top level finish. Mm-hmm. You know, and the no, ball and right. the ball from McCart, who was immense throughout the game and throughout the second half, actually, he was pinging those diagonals out wide yeah. with incredible precision. Mm-hmm. Well, it was McCarter got the assist for well, the, that, the second Keaton's goal, wasn't it? That yeah. moves us on to defence. Best defensive performance we've seen this season um, by an individual? Yeah, I, I think quite possibly. And I think it's it's probably a, a weird thing to suggest. But as, as a couple of uh, people listened to the pod mentioned on social media, you could maybe even argue that McCart was actually man of the match, despite the fact we won 5-0. Um, he was just so resolute. I, I, I don't think he put a foot wrong. Um, it's no exaggeration to say that's, that's probably a 10 out of 10 performance from the guy. I think Rooney's a 10 out of 10 as well, though. Yeah. No. Given that the second half thing is, you give him man of the match and whatnot, and he's the second half. He's up. He's, he's on the stand side, mm-hmm. so he's he's very he's so prominent. You know, you see everything he does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there was a, about ten minutes from time, and he's. I think there was a nothing ball they've played in behind him, and he's gone and shepherded it out. And instead of seeing it out, he's taken a touch, and then he's taken on the winger, gone round him, played a one-two, and he's ended up being on the other end of the park. And this is ten minutes to go from a guy that's only played three competitive games this season. Yeah. It's a good. I'm getting a nice, <laughs> I'm getting my t-shirt printed this weekend. Yes. Again, we mentioned him at the start. Todd off again, coming off the bench, turning in a pretty decent performance, getting another goal. It's really it must be great for Robertson because like last year, you know that the, the bench was maybe you know short of a couple of players, so we only named maybe about four subs on occasions. Now Robbo's got some decent options to bring on, which is good, and that and that can only bode well for us um, this season. And Todorov takes that goal with a plum. I mean, he looks oh, yeah. as soon as he gets the ball, you know he's scoring. He's just he looks absolutely his confident. Te- his textbook like, striker, isn't it? His first touch is absolutely superb. Yep. Second touch, he takes it across the defender, so he can't if he touches him, he's going to be going down for a penalty. Third touch, just a great finish. Yeah, well, one thing Ross mentioned a minute ago about Donaldson having all the kind of hallmarks of a, a want away player. I, I would definitely agree with that when he scored his goal against uh, Wraith, wasn't it, earlier? Mm-hmm. When he kind of did that kind of angry clench for celebration. But when he scored the goal against Morton, that, that was back to the more kind of, you know, happy, laughing, smiling yeah. called Dawson. He was used really to. chuffed. So he was, was absolutely delighted. He went round the subs. He went round, yeah, seemed to go round every player. So. Delighted. so whilst I think, I think there's merit in saying that, yeah, I mean, obviously we know that County have tried to go after the guy. It's probably unlikely he's going to be here next season. But I, I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, you know, you know, kicking up and down the corridors like demanding a transfer I think he enjoys his football here but I think also the guy knows do you know what I might like a move in the future I, well, don't, th- I don't think we can hold that against him if we were him, in really. the Premier League next season maybe he'd still Aye, yeah, and he'll get a better move if he takes that's what I, up that's what I like to think inject yep. <laughs> the positivity uh, attack right we've, we've alluded we've talked around him little bits and pieces James Keatings two goals one assist um, he tends to play in wee spells um, is anonymous for large portions of the game but that tends to generally be because we're playing the 4-4-2 and we're asking to drop into that pocket and then take the ball off the two central midfielders um, so that's why he does not appear in all the flashes of play all the time uh, he's got a defence splitting pass he's got a finish as we've just talked about he's got dead balls and he's getting better thoughts on him? 
he is getting better, and uh, may, maybe that's he said himself he he didn't play that much last season, um, and, and even the season before that. So, um, you know, he's obviously been with us mo- most of uh, the preseason. He started um, pretty much every game, as far as I'm aware. Um, he's he's getting a lot of minutes behind him now. So hopefully now his fitness is starting to pick up. His first yeah. goal. I mean, we we talk about his second goal being a good finish. His first goal is quite a tricky one as well because he's not got he has got mostly an open goal, but he has got a Morton defender coming towards him, and he's got to try and take the ball at a you know, not very easy height. So yeah. I think the first finish is also a good goal as well. And we just I just mentioned about Donaldson's celebration. I thought the way the players all rushed to celebrate with Keaton's was really good as well. He's clearly already a very popular player in this team. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't play close to the striker. I mean, I'd, I'd struggle to call it a four four two. I don't think you ever you ever find him up alongside the. You're more likely to find Tom Walsh cutting inside to to join Jordan White or whoever the number nine is than than Keatings. He does operate in that pocket. Um, it was mentioned in the BT analysis at half time that. Um, that um, Keatings couldn't get in, couldn't find space to operate in because Vincent was playing too high up. Which I I found a little bit harsh. I mean, I, I think I, I don't like a team to be too broken. I think we need James Vincent to be bringing the ball there. Keatings wants the ball in his feet. Doran likes a short ball in his feet. So for me, it's positive that Vincent's playing up there. I think Keatings needs to do more to find that space. I don't think he's moving enough personally. Yeah, I mean, just one other thing, just to very quickly say, it was um, he was maligned for his performance against Dundee United, but I thought uh, Carson was excellent against Morton as well. Um, there was a couple of hefty challenges that you could actually um, hear when he challenged the, the Morton player and the ball. You could hear the, the whole thud kind of echoing around the That uh, wasn't the, the drowned out by the atmosphere no, in the stadium. No, it was not drowned out by the atmosphere. Um, I mean, that that's maybe a separate point, but if there was going to be a single negative, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to have seen more people along for that one, but equally I can maybe see why folk just stayed at home to watch it on, on the TV. Yeah, I mean, I would agree about Carson. I thought Carson and Vincent were were excellent, really kind of disciplined. Um, I just want to go back to the ta- the attack. So one thing I noticed while watching it on the TV was just Doran um, is a player that I think hasn't really started shining this season, but there were a couple of times early in the second half when you saw him getting on the ball and facing up to Martin defenders and they were absolutely shitting themselves. And you forget that Martin, uh, that Doran, my apologies, is a player that a lot of opposition defenders will be scared of this season. They know his quality, and I think he, um, you know, if he realises that, that confidence is going to make a big difference. Okay, well, a player that nobody's going to be scared of this season is Morton's Aidan Nesbitt. Did anyone see his attempts at playing football? Uh, probably about as bad as his as his top knot. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I was going to talk about Morton a little bit. There's not really much you can talk about. His performance was the single poorest performance I've seen by a player in a championship this season in that game. Yeah. It was absolutely dreadful. We, we all seem to have a real thing about opposition players' haircuts, don't we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if he has a terrible haircut, you've got to play better. Yeah. And he didn't. He played worse. He's worse than anyone on the pitch. Well, of course, we, we, um, were, rumoured, we were rumoured to be after him in the summer as well, weren't we? So um, He's one of these guys that he's got a little bit of a pedigree, you think, and then it's based on nothing. Um, I thought he was remarkably poor, and he was subbed off, and he and he went and he went what, crazy. What went you've crazy described things. there is the David Luiz law, isn't it? Is he that bad? The point is, if you're if <laughs> if you're shy with bit with bad hair, it's more noticeable. Yeah, it's more noticeable. Okay, coming up, Pars, Queens, Thistle, Air. For McDonald, up the castle, Inverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Tudis City, Parliament Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Moggy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Centre. 
Before we look ahead to the upcoming league games, first a quick preview of the very next match, or if you're listening to this after the 7th of September, the game that has just been played. Morton at home in the Biscuity Wafery Cup. There were some notable celebrations when we won the Iron Brew version a couple of seasons back, but is anyone bothered by this? I think it's definitely the kind of competition that you don't really care too much about until you maybe get to the semi-final or even the final. Um, I'm really not a fan of what they've done uh, to this competition. I think it's a bit of a joke now. I'm vehemently against uh, Colt teams um, in the Challenge Cup and I can't say I'm too much of a fan of the English-Irish teams coming in as well. Uh, not we need to sound all Brexty or anything like that, but you know it's a Scottish competition for Scottish lower league sides. Um, if you want to spice it up a bit, as far as I'm concerned, get in some more Highland League or Lowland League sides. Um, and yeah, I just I don't know if anyone's seen it, but there's an excellent ar- article by Ian McIntosh of the set pieces because um, the Johnson's Paint Trophies had similar issues. Now they've started putting in. Um, kind of English Premiership under 21 sides and, and, and fans dislike it for very much the same reason as a number of Scottish fans do um, and you know he just kind of sums it up pretty well by saying that you know you scoop, these teams have scooped up far too many young players and they don't know what to do with them if you want them playing uh, first team if you want them playing football play them in your first team why should the likes of <coughs> excuse me why should the likes of Inverness um, Aloha Airdrie etc all have to kind of see their competitions diluted to fit these guys in um, and I'm just just really not a fan of it at all. I agree with you on the Colt point. I do, I do think that that weakens the tournament. Uh, the idea of playing against a Colt team. Who did we have? We had Aberdeen Colts, and we yeah. played them at Brechin. I mean, that's yeah. just a farce. But yeah. you know, I got to call you out in your patent xenophobia. You know? <laughs> I, I, I would love nothing more than an away trip to to Ireland or England or Wales or wherever the hell these teams come from. You know, especially in a season where we're going to Dundee five times. Yeah, I. I <laughs> I can maybe understand that. I can maybe get on board if Inverness had any kind of serious travelling support. But as it stands, we, we, we struggle to get fans to go to Perth, you know, a couple of hours down the A9. And we suddenly expect we're going to have a bunch of folk heading to, I don't know, Aldershot or something they like that. that you know, they said that before. They said that we don't want to well, qualify listen, for the Europa League. We're it, the Cali boys making fuck all listen, noise everywhere we go. go. To, if they can go to <laughs> Romania, they can go to Bognor Regis. <laughs> if, they can go, if they can go to Romania, they can go to St Johnston, they can go to Aloha. But, you know... It's, I just I don't like it. And, and especially when we've seen recent seasons the farce that we had with um, who was it Crusaders or whatever I can't even remember you know it's just so much of a kind of distant memory now but we had to wait months for that game to be organised uh, because for some reason the, the um, Irish leagues were getting priority and also last season with um, East Fife having their game called off literally 10 minutes before the game started it's just a farce Okay, we'll spare spare a thought for Kelty Hearts who have to go down to go past Birmingham, I think, for their match for Solihull Moors, or don't spare any thoughts at all because they can probably afford it. <laughs> uh, league look ahead. Let's let's look forward. Let's cast an eye upon the month of September, um, during which month natural uh, sorry National Contraception Day takes place. <laughs> so let's bear bear with me. <coughs> National Contraception Day takes place. So let's strap on because we're in for one hell of a ride. <laughs> right, Dunfermline away. Right, having talked to uh, a season ticket holder at uh, East End, there was there was a lot of positivity at the. Um, at the start of the season, signings of Ryan Down, Kevin Nisbet hit the ground running. Kyle Turner from Stranraer looks a wee gem. Since then, they've now slipped to second bottom at time of recording. Um, they have lost to, I think, United and Arbroath. They've drawn with Queens and Dundee. Uh, so having bought, brought in a rake of midfielders and attackers in the summer, 
Uh, Crawford has now gone out, I think, in the last week and signed Greg Kilty from Killy, plus the Hearts pair of Cochrane and McDonald on loan. So that is that is some squad. Th- those are three excellent signings. Gre- Greg Kilty is a mental addition at Championship level. Yeah. Um, he looked really good for Morton last year. Uh, a bit bizarre that Killy have let him go, um, and obviously it, it breaks my heart a lot to see Auntie McDonald um, at Dunfermline. So I re- that is a blow. I, I really hope we I were going to get him back in. I, I guess maybe uh, completely, um, you know. Um, sorry, here, but uh, maybe Robertson tried to get him back. Hart said no, we had plans. We went for Curry instead, and unfortunately he's injured. Um, and obviously McDonald is now available for loan. But we don't have a great record against uh, Dunfermline. Uh, we've only got one win at East End yeah. Park in the last uh, in, ten, in the last ten years or so. But last year saw perhaps one of our, our best performances, and yeah. we, we pumped them three 0 an excellent counter attack performance. So more of the same would be um, very much appreciated. Well, previewing the game a little bit. Apparently they're a bit slow at the back. Um, Danny mm-hmm. Devine. <laughs> Murray, Murray from Wraith has apparently been decent at centre half and there's a boy Aaron Comrie playing right back who's, who's an upgrade on the boy Williamson who went to Partick apparently what they have done at the start of the season I mean talked to a season ticket holder at East End is they played a very very high line so they've tended to bomb forward in the start of games and sorry, sorry press teams a lot high up the pitch um, and then conversely they've been absolutely knackered in the last like half hour of the matches uh, and he obviously hasn't had the squad to be able to play that so perhaps these signs coming in are a sign that he's still going to continue with that style of play um, or not. I don't know. At the end of the day, they haven't won a game yet in the league. It's about time they did. One of our fans in Pye and Bovra was saying, well, Dunfermline fans obviously were coming on to say how how was McDonald and you know somebody replied, ah, he'll be a great player for you or a great signing for you. I'm not sure. He, he would have been a great signing for us, but that doesn't mean he'll be a great signing for Dunfermline. Are they in a position, are they stable enough to integrate these young players into their team? You know, Robbo was very careful, McDonald, bringing 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, a couple of starts, um, and he probably would have done the same with them. He would have kind of brought them through. Dunfermline, this, you know, are signing them out, these guys out of desperation, it looks like. It's not a good position for 18-year-old mm. boys. Mm. Yeah, so it's a massive squad they've got. Um Hopefully we can get a result in there. We will talk about the uh, predictions later on. Um, let's now turn our eye to Queen of the South, 21st of September. Uh, we actually play Queens on National Pepperoni Pizza Day. So hopefully we can stuff their crust full of goals. Any pineapple on that pizza? <laughs> <laughs> but don't feed them to the seagulls, Ross. Is that right? Yeah, you get what well, you get chucked out if you do that at Palmerston, apparently. But this game is in Inverness. I'll be going up for that. Um, they've had a hellish start. They've taken two points from what I would suggest is maybe the easiest start they could have possibly had, um, including last week's home defeat to Aloha. They've scored one goal in the four league games. Uh, Dobby's played in the last two, so you can't just say it's 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 just because Dobby's not there. Um, if there's a worry from our point of view, it's just that. Easy start continues. They play Morton at home the week before they play us and they play Clyde in the Challenge Cup. So that gives Dobby the chance maybe to sharpen up. Um, Or, I mean, I'm not sure whether... Maybe maybe he's finished. He did slow down as the season went on. He'll be 37 before the year's out. Um, But we do generally have a good record against Queen of South at home. Yeah, we do. uh, Nine wins and 13 um, games against them. Um, up in Inverness but unfortunately just the one win in the last four so we've not looked too good recently against them they seem to have had our number up north Yeah, they, they have signed the mercurial uh, L. Bactui uh, who formerly of, did well at Dunfermline mm. so How many years ago was that now? He's, well, uh, well, he's, pro- he's, this, he's got something to prove this is probably his last chance in Scottish football certainly at full time football in Scottish football um, so you know now that we've mentioned him oh, God. Yeah, probably going to score yeah, yeah, but you were nice about him as opposed to Bobby Lynn. I, I mean, know. You, you knew his name. Well, hopefully so I mispronounced his name. 
It's actually like El Bakhtui. Is, is, he, is he mates with Danny Denham? Okay, I don't know. Could be. Everyone seems to be. Uh, right, Partick at home, 28th of September. Uh, we actually play, this This is this is a real fact, we actually play Partick Thistle on National Ask a Stupid Question Day. So, Gary Caldwell, his job's safe, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be doing everything he can to make it unsafe. Um, I mean, was it la- last week he seems to have um, fallen out with um, Stuart Bannigan as well, mm-hmm. and there was um, rumours... That's, that's surprising, isn't it? Yeah, there, there was, he's, he seems to have fallen out with pretty much every senior player Has there. Has he fallen out with Penrice as well? Um, I, I don't. I don't he, know. I'm not sure about that one. But um, he, he, as much as we do, we get we boo him a lot when we when we play them. <laughs> well, you do. <laughs> yeah, I, know, fun, I heard that on do. TV. It's fun. It's fun. Um, but no, I mean, like last season, obviously he fell out with the likes of um, Erskine. You know, he's moved a, fa- a real fan's favourite in Doolan on, and, and now he seems to be alienating Bannigan and a couple of others. Um, Cam aware apparently. Yeah, and, and and the thing is that there were rumours going into the the just before the window, the transfer window slammed shut, um, that Bannigan was going to uh, be heading to Air United. Um, is he not the captain? He, well, that's it. He is the captain, and 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 um, Colo seems to have pissed him off, and he's not left. He's still there. So now, now yeah. you've now you've got a you know potentially quite annoyed player and a manager who don't get on with each other, and quite an important player as well. Um, I don't know. I, I think um, time could well be up yeah. for a Caldwell by the time this game rolls around. You never know. That's very true. They did collapse against Dundee United after taking the lead. They did the same against Morton. So. You would expect a manager to shut up shop, perhaps grind out a one nil or a nil nil, but uh, then they lost three two to Air at home. <laughs> so well, I mean, against Morton the other week, as soon as that first goal went, and another howler just for a change by Scott Fox, they, they looked like they were going to lose. I mean, they were still um, they were still winning two one at that point, yeah. but you just you could see the, the the players just seemed to slump to the ground, and you just thought, oh, here we go, Morton they're going to win this now. Yeah, and one of the things about that is even if they get a head of steam up against us and score, and like you say, they've got a player like Miller who can do that. They've obviously got quality in there. It would be absolutely derelict of our players if they didn't kind of go this lot or there, you know, for the taking. They yep. will shit themselves if we go at them, you yep. know. So I think, you know, Partick are a team that have almost set themselves up to fall now because they've collapsed in a couple of previous games. So we absolutely, absolutely should be in no fear of them, even if we go yeah. behind to them. You know? uh, previewing it slightly, again, we've been talking to some, some fans of the opposition. Um, they're apparently tactically very one-dimensional, very reliant on the fullbacks, getting... Getting in at the channels, uh, Joe Cardo cutting in. Um, his days just, must, just for a change. His days <laughs> must be numbered, surely. Yeah. Um, short of numbers in defence and midfield in terms of numbers in the squad, and you know they, they were obviously lacking against United and Morton, especially when um, towards the, the latter stages of the match, were a bit physical. Um, they're apparently missing Slater and Harkins in midfield, but Harkins is surely past it by now Harkins being missing in midfield is something that happens during most games that he plays in <laughs> exactly. Harkins got completely utterly uh, marked out of the game um, last year by Trafford he was abs- I can't believe I'm going to say this he was absolutely dominated by Trafford um, and he had no influence in the game whatsoever um, I know we slag him off because of his um, again mad hair but Penrice yeah. um, he, he looks really impressive he's very good yeah he's he been really good this good. season for them um, but yeah if I think if anyone's going to miss a game um, ne- uh, this month make it this one 3 0 okay. draws in the last 5 well I think since uh, Caldwell was made manager of Partick he's won something like uh, 5 matches or something like that at Firhill and in the same period of time Ian McCall manager of Ayr has won 4 uh, so Ayr 5th of October the last time we talked about Air was a couple of pods ago and somebody sitting to my right said they're never going to come out of the traps. <laughs> uh, then they went and won 7-0, but that was that, that was against Berwick, so you know, maybe you just didn't know they were playing playing Berwick. Uh, since then, they're still looking good. Second top at time of recording, given the players that they lost in the summer. Um, I think they've surprised everybody, Andrew. 
Yeah, I mean, they have. You know, their stats are really impressive. They're second of the championships, nine points at the time of recording, two points in one place ahead of us. They haven't been at the top four in the championship for more than a calendar year, and that's despite losing some really, really high-profile players over the summer, including Shankland, obviously. Michael Rose is apparently starring for Coventry City. Um, we had a pretty remarkable record against them last season, you know, getting 10 points out of 12, and I, I don't think we're that much worse than we were. Possibly as strong again, but... I've just got this feeling we won't get, you know, quite as much success against them. Um, If you look at what they've done so far, they've got two midfielders, Luke McCown and Stephen Kelly, who have each got two goals in um, their four league games. McCown's homegrown, he's 19, he scored three League Cup goals as well, you know, so he's one of these guys that, um, you know, he looks like a really, really promising prospect. And you've got Kelly, who's a loanee from Rangers and a Scottish under-19 international, who's apparently shown in the early part of the season. So McCall seems to have replaced the players he lost really impressively. Um, and he's got young players like Jamie Adams, Andy Gagan, Michael Moffat, Chris Doolin, who, you know, scored on Saturday against Bartek, inevitably, to draw on. So he's got this really good blend of youth and experience. And I think that's pretty typical of Ian McCall, actually, because he's really shrewd and he's an excellent manager. He's had his kind of ups and downs, um, but I remember him, you know, having really good tactical battles against Steve Patterson when he was Clyde Bank and Falkirk manager. Um, and he's also this elements of McCall that's a bit like Patterson as a personality. You know, he's got a really good eye for a player. He plays attractive attacking football, and he lives a sort of old school cavalier sort of lifestyle that's really rare in Scottish <laughs> football these days. You know, I he's, a bit of, he's a bit of a dick though. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, he probably is, but still, I mean, Christ, you know, what would you rather, him or Robbie Nielsen? I mean, I remember, like, walking up Maryhill Road at lunchtime on the Monday after the new First Division season started in about 2009, and he's kind of standing on the pavement, like like a little angry koala, outside um, the Elephant and Bugle, which is a particularly tasty Maryhill pub, with a pint of tenants and a Marlborough, you know, and I just think, I, I mean, I'm not endorsing that as a lifestyle for a sporting leader, but, you know, that or Robbie Nielsen, I'll take my call any time, you know, so... <laughs> Okay, uh, the two competitors we haven't yet mentioned on this pod, uh, Aloha, um, a couple of weeks ago I had basement basement battle question mark written down next to Aloha. Um, despite their seventh seventh current current place in the league, um, I would still I would say that a question mark would be consigned to the bin very much like Peter Grant was with Scotland, unless um Partick don't sack Caldwell. Well, or unless they can go and win at Palmerston like they did last week, I think changes, well, that was, changes that was massively surprising. That changes the narrative somewhat. I yeah. mean, they've taken four points from their first four games. They'll be happy with that. Um, they drew with Park at home. They got gubbed at Capilo. They had the the game with Arbroath, which they lost narrowly, and then they go and win at Palmerston. I mean, it's it's. I think it's better than anybody expected. Uh, Peter Grant was widely assumed that he would kind of walk into the part-time dressing room like Billy Big Boss and indeed you know he did turn up in a designer suit with his uh, shirt undone down to his belly button (laughs) exposing some kind of African necklace that he was wearing Um, so he's he's taken he's taken one player on loan from Celtic Um, he's obviously brought in Buchanan and another striker from Morton who he's been rotating they've they've, they've clearly apart from the Morton game they've clearly competed in every game and they're going to they're going to they're going to fight I would still have a concern there's a quote from after the after the last game where he said, I want to be Barcelona when we have the ball and the ugliest team possible when we don't. So if I was if I was an Aloha fan, I'd be worried, you know, but a part time team uh, try yeah, to try to stay up in the champion in a full time league. We that's shouldn't be straight out of the John Hughes playbook, well, by the way. Well, you know, after he won the Scottish Cup and before everything went to its up, you know. I think Aloha shouldn't be trying to be Barcelona in any way whatsoever Okay, uh, we don't really want to talk about Dundee United but we will, albeit briefly um, 
Right, this might sound ridiculous. I think they are beatable. Um, stop Shankland. Uh, tactically, they're beatable. The first three league games, I think they played against opposition that all played a four-four-two, um, which obviously played into their hands, as, as we can we can testify. I think you get if you if you play a team with a, like a five-three-two or a or a four-five-one with the extra man in midfield to combat the two pretty ordinary central midfielders, two from three they can pick in there, then you can get an extra man in there, and then you realistically stand a better chance of getting points off them if you've got three centre-halves, one guy to pick up Shanklin, one guy to pick up the other guy, and then a spare man. Yeah, I think, quite I think, I think genuinely that's the best way to go about it, and nobody has sussed it out yet. They're, they're, they're definitely not invulnerable. I think, they're, um, I think their defence looks pretty weak. Um, you know, Dundee obviously got a couple of goals against them, um, the other Friday, but the problem with United is that you know if you score two, three goals against them, they've they've got the the players there that could probably just score like three, four, five against you, and and that that's probably why they're going to win the league. They're just going to completely outscore everyone else. True. The other thing is that you talk about possibly playing a three-five-two against them. Um, that involves having three players who can form a useful unit as you know a three-man central defence. Brad McKay would be the obvious third man. I'm not sure about that. You know, yeah. I think we probably need to play our players in the positions where they are most adept and most skillful. Well, we can, I mean, McKay's injured anyway. We can know. only play a three at three at the back and in a three midfield if all our players are available. Yeah, so exactly. Brad McKay is the third centre yeah. centre half. Sean Welsh is the is the third central midfielder. Mm-hmm. Arguably, you could play Trafford in there with Vincent and Garson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, again, the discipline to do that, and I just I think we. I understand what you mean, but I think we probably just have to try and play to our own strengths and not try and nullify theirs, you know, with the players we've got. We don't have to play them until I think it's the 2nd of November. Um, And if we go on a run, then, you know, I've suggested earlier on the extra midfielder, but if we're going on a run and we're playing our game, then we'll just take our game to them in a home game and we'll have a chance. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the season, I don't fancy us to get anywhere near them. No. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> There's a lot of swearing going on with you lot. <laughs> Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 the Glen Alvin, the Thistolin, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Talker, and Cupkiss Jocker, Dives at Gallon, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Waters, Love to Love, Cake Exchange, and Mambo's Hutch. Okay, for the cost of getting into Tanadice, you could have bought 26 Dream Rings, 104 Freddos, 10 pints in the Troll Inn. And nine copies of Lorraine Kelly between you and me. <laughs> £26 to get into the Tangerine Tip, £24 to get into dilapidated dens. Uh, away fans are paying these prices to get into these grounds so these two teams can get out of this league. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know about that figure of 26. I thought it was 24 at Tanadice. But I look at... I look 26. It's 24 at Dens. Right, so I calculated my, my figures from 24 and £12 for a concession, and that is a concession that is charged to under-12s as well. So for a family of four, I mean, sometimes I go to games as a family of four. I don't recommend it at all, by the way, but <laughs> duty calls. That would be, I w- with, with the figures I was using, £72 for two adults and two under-12s. Now, to put that in context... Most championship games that we did uh, as a family last year came to about £40, £20 each for the adults and free for the kids. So, you know, if you're making that kind of calculation, then you're just not going. You know, you're as a family, you're just you're just not going to go. Um, I noticed that we we are we were we were free for under 12s last season. We've dropped that, actually. Um, and it's now 
£6 concession for all under 16s. But still, you're looking at kind of around about 50, 54, 52 quid to go to Inverness. It's a huge jump, that Tannadice price. And, and I won't go back there if it's like that again later on in the season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both getting into Tannadice and Downsborough are by far and away the most expensive price in the league. I think what everyone else is about, what, 17 to about 20 pounds or something maybe for for adults i don't know about concessions but yeah i mean we're, we're, we're very much paying to try and help them get back into the premiership so um yeah it's just um it's, it's, it's a bit crap um to be honest i think it, it's an interesting point you thought about um going as a family i think so obviously a lot of clubs are doing what they can to try and affect uh, trying to attract sorry uh families to um to, to these games and as you say it's 72 quid i mean who's really going to want to part with that it's away fans that are getting screwed. I mean, obviously the home fans. If you've got a season ticket, you're gonna you're gonna find a way to make it affordable if you're committing to going uh, across the season. But mm. for the one, it's the one-off price that that we're talking about here. Yeah, I think the thing is, even our um, prices, you know, slightly cheaper than that. Our walk-up prices. It's, I don't know. Our attendances seem pretty sparse this early in the season. Uh, hopefully, that win against Morton will get a few people back. But uh, the last couple of home games, it's you know, the, the stadium's been devoid of atmosphere. So it's obviously. You know, whilst it's expensive to go to these um, other grounds, I kind of wonder if we should be looking close to home, maybe try and um, see if we can set up a few incentives, try and get some fans back. Um, I don't know, I mean, presumably the club has got the details of um, season ticket holders on, on a database somewhere. Give them a phone, send them an email, try and get them back along, because we, you know, we could really do with um, a few extra people coming yeah, along uh, to support the team. Uh, just going back to United, um, so if 26 quid is, an, is, a, is the fee to get into the game for 200 away fans times 18 games that works out at just shy of 100,000 grand which is coincidentally what Lauren Shanklin got for signing on yeah <laughs> <laughs> coincidentally obviously uh, okay we're going to go on to result predictions now um, a new segment that we've uh, we've come up with they, people are listening and they're saying Moff how did you predict Bobby Lynn to score against us? What is this prophetic wizardry? <laughs> what are your predictions so that we can get our coupons in for the next few games? So they want us to put our heads on the block. Uh, they, want us, they want us to stick our necks out further than David Proctor. So we're going to do that. Morton at home in the Biscuit Barrel Cup. Uh, Mr Young. Much closer than Friday night. I'll say we'll win it 2-1. I'm going to write these down. 2-1. Sav? Uh, I'm going to go for 5-0 no Morton. <laughs> Ross? 5-2 Tass. I'm going to go 2-0 us. There we go. Um, Powers away? 2-all, I think. 1-all draw. I think, um, yeah, they made some impressive signings, so I think it's going to be a tough one. 1-all draw. 2-0 Tass. I've got 2-1 us. Uh, Queen of the South at home? 1-0. So boring, tedious, but we're just too good for them. That's specific. Yeah, it's just like, Queen's South games are always better away than at home for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, 2-1 to us, Sean Rooney hat-trick. 3-1 to <laughs> us. Uh, I've got 3-1 us as well. And finally, <coughs> well, we're not going to do it here, it's too far away. Partick at home. Let's have them, like 3-0. I'm going to say 2-0. Gary Caldwell um, punted into the inner Murray Firth after the game by Park Vistle fans. Glorious. Uh, I think uh, Alan Archibald returns and <laughs> we, return lose, we lose 1-0. Uh, I've got a 3-0 win. Okay, so those are the predictions. Next up, a new item, mailbag. Not ball bag. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mailbag with Andrew Sutherland. Cheers for that rather seedy intro. Um, yeah, um, so before we recorded the pod, just um, threw a, a wee question out on social media, just um, asking people for their, their thoughts on the season so far, you know, highlights, um, you know, impressive players, etc. Um, as we discussed already, um, Rooney and McCart uh, getting a lot of praise, and rightly so, and um, also Keaton's as well. Uh, apparently silencing some haters in the main stand. It's a bit harsh to be getting on his back already. Uh, but in terms of questions, uh, we had some uh, good ones. Uh, James Davidson was asking, um, favourite ICT striker of all time? Anyone want to kick off with that? Uh, favourite ICT striker of all time? Yeah. Ian Stewart. Yeah, why? Um, formative years, going to the games, um, first goal-scoring hero. Yeah, um, abs- abs- you know, absolute legend. Just a guy who was able to score a bucket load of goals without any discernible pace, without any discernible stature, without any discernible aerial ability, uh, but an uncanny knack of just lofting the ball over people. Yeah. Ridiculous. Mm. I, Dennis Wynas, the obvious one, mm. isn't it? But yeah. just, <laughs> just, you know, um, he was just so clinical, um, so kind of modest as well. He wasn't so great when he came back in the second period, but at least mm. it didn't do something appalling like, you know, Signed for county or yeah. something like that, you know. So yeah, I think it was. Was there not a, an infamous pure about him? Was there not an infamous story? He scored a hat trick in one game, and then he couldn't be bored dealing with the waiting reporters, so he actually left the Coliseum through a fire fire exit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just recall that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's when he scored the winner against Celtic in the cup at home. Oh, was that? Uh, what you mean? Yeah, there was a lot of yeah. media around. So you've said Wynes and Stewart. So uh, who's so who? Uh, if we're looking for our top three strikers of all time, it's Billy Mackay. I hate mm. to say it, given his current predicament, but there was a spell where Billy Mackay, you know. You could play him through almost anywhere in the final third and he'd get a shot in and he was, you know, 50-50 to score. He went through a couple of seasons yeah. where he was just unstoppable. Yeah. Um, just uh, one other one we'll pick out. Um, Joseph Waite, hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, Favourite Highland Derby uh, match? Uh, the three-all at New Year where we were 3-1 down. Uh, we're going to look at some hazy memories here. It must have been 99, 2000. Um, yeah. And I think it was Stuart himself that popped up very late. Two injury time goals for a three all in the Derby mm-hmm. at New Year. Was there not? I think I'm going back to, again, the very early years here and one at Victoria Park. Um, Stevie Hislop swing on the bar. Stevie Hislop swinging on the bar at Victoria Park. That, yeah, did that, that happen? Yeah, was that, was that in my? Yeah, I'm sure that was in the jail end, towards the jail end as well, was it not? I'm pretty sure that yeah. happened. Um, I'm going to go for, and this is really embarrassing, but I can't remember exactly the score, but you know the last minute Scottish Cup game? Oh, the 3-0 uh, three, the three three one. 3-0, yeah. yeah. So it was, a, it was the last minute equaliser rather yeah. than the winner, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Just uh, the absolute joy because County had kind of, I think, taken the lead so late yeah. on and then we just like papped that one in. And a friend of ours who has now actually emigrated to America in shame <laughs> battered his way down the touchline, giving the Vicky to the entire county support. You know, it would capture it in live television. Yeah, I think. I think um, the, just, yeah, I think the best thing about that was definitely um, Derek Adams kind of like pouting face at the end as he realised they'd <laughs> uh, thrown away a three uh, horrible, a victory. Horrible man. Yeah. Well, there you go. We'll, um, we'll we'll do another one next week. That was mailbag with Andrew Sutherland. <laughs> Okay, so last pod we wound it all up with Blind Away Day. Uh, Following that theme, we're going to finish this one with something a bit more current. So, 
Pointless is, of course, a TV quiz show that features teams of contestants attempting to find correct but obscure answers to general knowledge questions in order to score as few points as possible in order to complete, compete for the show's cash jackpot. We don't have a cash jackpot. We do have a, like, we can do a Twitter poll or something and the winner can get, like, a free bridey off everyone at Dunfermline. So, in um, our form of Pointless, uh, before the pod, I asked the boys if they could outline something about Scottish football that was pointless and, and if they could get rid of it, what would it be and why? Uh, for me... Forcing, uh, forcing fans to buy tickets in advance. Uh, I think the main one we're looking at here is Hearts. They seem to be really bad at forcing fans to, you know, commit to buying a ticket, um, not doing any kind of like cash gates on the, on the day, and then for some reason on Friday afternoon suddenly deciding, oh, actually, yeah, you can. So people who are maybe not too sure if they can get to the game or not um, have to, you know, decline, and then they find out last minute, oh, I could have gone. You know, I don't know if it's a police Scotland thing. I appreciate it's necessary for for some games. But, you know, let, let's do what we can to get as many people through the gates as possible and make it as easy as possible to buy tickets, buy them at the gate on the day. When that first happened, actually, I went to Ibrox without a ticket um, and spent the first half hour of the game arguing for a ticket and they eventually gave in um, and it was absolutely worth it. It was the night Ian Black slotted away that last minute winning yeah. penalty. Okay. Uh, my, my pointless uh, thing is stewards in the championship. Um, I don't want to malign people in precarious employment on low wages, so I won't say anything but against... You will, but we will. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say anything against, you know, the, the people who are actually doing the job. Uh, but, um, and of course, speaking as a libertarian communist, uh, I would definitely wish to see the abolition of the police entirely, but for, <laughs> at the, at, at, for this moment, I'll keep to the remit of stewards in the championship. You know, they're at best pointless in the sense that, you know, segregated crowds, you know, sparsely populated uh, stands um, and you're just being gopped at by these people for for no apparent reason but at worst they're you know they're actually counterproductive wherever there's been crowd trouble uh, among our fans in the last couple of years it's been stewards who've provoked it I'd suggest I'm um, thinking Brechin in particular and in the season mm, yeah. the season we went down also there was there was there was a situation at Pataudry where stewards weighed, waded in wound people up for standing up and eventually it all got very messy so yeah stewards out of the championship please mm. I mean, it's a total year old da number, but um, it's it's squad numbers. You know, it's it's the cult of we sign you know Aidan Nesbitt for the sake of argument and unveil him on Twitter as number fifty seven because he asked for it. You know, it's just it's, it's absolute nonsense. It makes far more sense, especially today these days, because we've got larger squads to have numbers tied to a particular position. So life would be, I mean, life would be a lot easier if you can look at the team lines in a completely changed team and work out straight away where the players coming into the team are actually playing you know um and much worse than that it's kind of the ultimate symbol of football pandering to this individual's bigger than team mentality you know players getting to own a number and fighting over who gets this number and then as i say unveiling squad numbers on twitter you know and also it's got the potential for massive humiliation when your club sort of uncoils an absolute turd of a marquee signing, you know, and presents him with some sort of iconic shirt number and he fails utterly. Um, Danny Lopez so does, well, I was going to say, does anyone remember who was given the number seven yeah. shirt for ICP in our one and only season of Scottish Cup champions? Yeah, yeah good old Danny Lopez. Danny Lopez, yeah, yeah whose who's only distinction is to manage to actually outdo Paul McGowan in terms of scummery by being pan, banned by the club for spitting on... I actually thought it was for spitting on a disabled supporter, but um, Andrew Sutherland assures me it was a, a St. Johnson youth player, so yeah. not quite as bad, but still don't, don't, pretty no bad. But still no pretty jokes. bad. Yeah, no jokes so. there. So. Okay, right, my choice. My choice is moaning. 
Football is about enjoyment. It's about entertainment. Um, what's pointless is what's what's pointless is the mindless whining about the disparities between the expectation that you have when you go in and the reality you actually you're actually faced with. Be it the guy in the main stand screaming at Russell Duncan, uh, now Vincent or Welsh for not humping it forwards, or the woman at your left screaming at Grant Monroe, now Brad Mackay for humping it forwards. But the real moaning I'm talking about is something that came up on Twitter recently, is the Celtic fans moaning about the thick and the thin. The thin presumably <laughs> being nine in a row, and the thin, sorry, the thick being there, nine in a row and the thin only being beating Dunfermline on two one and extra time. Uh, the Aberdeen fans be moaning not qualifying for the Europa League once again. The Hibs fans in the Championship a couple of seasons ago moaning about style of play. The Hearts fans in the Championship only five seasons ago moaning about Craig Levine and style of play. The Mother fans sold in mid- mid-table moaning about style of play. The Killy fans moaning about being bottom of the league with the same squad of players but near bottom of the league two seasons ago. Meanwhile, Falkirk drop into the third tier. Morton haven't been in the top division for 30 years. Brecon tumble from the Championship to League 2. East Stirlingshire and Berwick Rangers disappear from view entirely. And we go from trips to Romania to trips to Recreation Park. So yeah, it's pointless moaning. Just squeeze what enjoyment you can from your football because there's always someone worse off. You finished moaning, Moff? <laughs> yeah. Are you finished moaning? <laughs> I wasn't moaning. Right, okay. Um, that's us for now. Again, we'd like to thank Sophie Robb for the artwork for social media. Steve Kelly for the theme tune. We'd very much like to thank those of you who Listen to the second episode, we got about 400 downloads, so um, using Dingwall Arithmetic, that's 4,000 downloads. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this, though, what we do need to do is just retweet some stuff, repost fa- Facebook posts, invite your mates to like and listen to the podcast so we can build on what we've done over the past three months and try and make it bigger and better and get more of you involved. We are now off to take what Sean Rooney's been taking. Take care of yourself and each other. Bye for now. Yeah, yeah.